Littleton Coin Company is ringing in the holiday season with daily deals. Visit littletoncoin.com for at least 15% off select products now through November 28th. Save on your favorite coins, such as Morgan Silver Dollars, Kennedy Half Dollars, Commemorative Quarters, and much more. But hurry, each day offers a new deal you don't want to miss. Visit us now at littletoncoin.com. That's littletoncoin.com. Littleton Coin Company, serving collectors since 1945. Right now at Safeway, shop the Big BOGO sale and get all your favorite cleaning essentials. Buy one, get one 50% off. Head into Safeway and shop for select items like Febreze air fresheners, Airwick scented oil refills, Glade three wick candles, Mr. Clean antibacterial cleaner, Method all purpose cleaner, or soft scrub cleanser. And get them buy one, get one 50% off. Offer expires November 28th. Restrictions apply. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for full offer details. Hallelujah. I just love that music. It just makes you want to live right. <laughs> we welcome everybody at all of our campuses. Listen, y'all, it's week three, and uh, this is the last experience of this uh, of this particular series. So I just want to, 9 a.m. did good, but I just want to just go all out this one. Is, is that all right? Look at your neighbor and say, let's just lose it. Tell them, let's just, let's just lose it. Listen, you ain't lost it in a long time. Just lose it. Listen, what are you losing? Lose your fear. Use your anxiety. Lose your depression. Let that stuff go. Amen. Amen. Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. Shout it out. I am. Hallelujah. If you would remain standing, one passage of scripture, we're going to look at Luke chapter number six. Luke chapter number six. How many people just by a shout or something, you've been enjoying the series core? Awesome, 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 awesome. Identity. Say that with me. Identity. When you teach people who they are, it changes what they do. People only do things they ought not do because they have not been informed or either they have forgotten who they are. Luke 6, verse 43, you got it? It says, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. Now, word heart there means mind. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart does the mouth speak. We got a problem here because the text says only good trees bear good fruit. So what happens when you're a good tree, but it seems like you're bearing bad fruit? Uh, what happens when it looks like a seemingly bad tree bears good fruit? Uh, we're going to figure that out. Father, we thank you for your word today. We honor you for your word today. And we pray that over these next few moments, Father, that you would speak with such a clarity, Father, that there would be no under, uh, no misunderstanding that you have been in the midst of your people today. Father, we thank you that we are a church that operates under the power of the Holy Spirit, not a holy guest. We got the Holy Ghost. And so because of that, Father, I pray that you would even use a series like CORE and use this third week of this experience, Father. And speak in such a poignant way, speak in such a, 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 a this precise and such a distinct way that everybody would understand that you have spoken to them something clear for their lives today. Father, we honor you that when we know who we are, it changes what we do. And the days of not knowing who we are are over. And no longer will we have to speak with cliche about knowing who you are in Christ. I declare that everybody under the sound of my voice will know who it is that they are. And we thank you that it is so in Jesus. Jesus name somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah high five somebody as you take your seats and say just let's lose it let's lose it let's lose it let's lose it that's not the title of today's teacher today is just called week three but we're just gonna lose it today uh now now I, i've been in this series we've been talking about identity say identity. identity 
And when people know who they are, it changes what they do. And one of the things that we have been looking at is the importance of knowing uh, what you're not. Because you cannot fully or totally grasp who you are until you have a good understanding of the things that you are not. And so uh, for so many people, we learn who we are and we adapt who we are through the process of osmosis, which is where we are placed in environments and then we adapt those environments uh, as our identity. So you're placed in a bad situation and all of a sudden now you adapt that as your identity. And so now you begin to identify yourself based on the bad environment that you've been placed in. And so even though uh, you've been placed in an environment uh, where God says, I'm giving you an opportunity to change because you're so used to what it is you've learned in negative environments, you begin to take that negative identity and put it in new environments. Which means you could be, watch this, like the children of Israel, you could be somebody that God has brought out of Egypt, but yet Egypt is still you, so you end up making your Canaan, your promised land, look like your Egypt. I can't get nobody to say nothing right there. And so then so many believers God has delivered into their promise in that they turn it to looking like Egypt because Egypt is the identity of who they've adapted. And God says, I need some people that will know who they are and that will not turn this into that because they understand that what they go through is not who they are. In fact, it is who they are that helped them to get through what they had to go through because they learned that they got stronger. They learned that they were wiser. They learned that they were better. They learned that they couldn't put their trust in man, but they had to put their trust in God. They learned that they couldn't depend on their money, but they had to depend in their God. Am I talking to anybody? And so one thing I gave you at week one, I told you one thing you're not is alone. You're not the only one that's had to go through what you've gone through. You're not the only one that's lost something. You're not the only one that's been lied on, cheated, talked about, mistreated, rebuked, scorned, talked about, sewers, you're born. You're not the only one that made plans with people that you thought would last forever and forever turned out to be three years. You are not the only one that has had to file bankruptcy. You're not the only one that's lost money. You're not the only one that's made bad business investments. You're not the only one that's been hoodwinked, bamboozled, and sold a bill of good. You are not alone. Touch your neighbor say, you're not alone. You're not alone. That person sitting next to you has been through just as much, if not more, hell than what you've been through. And that's why you'd stop hating on other folks if you understood that everybody got to go through something. So ain't no sense in me hating you because wherever you got, however you got to where you got, I know you had to go through something to get there. But then the one thing I told you last week is not only are you not alone, uh, but I told you last week that you are not supposed to be running from any enemy, but you are your enemy's worst enemy. You are Gideon. Any Gideon's in the house where, uh, where God says you are a mighty warrior. You, you may look like the least of your family. You may like look like the least of your life. You may feel very weak, but even in your weakness, God says that's all right because in your weakness, God says that's what I made strong. And so God says, Gideon, you are going to make your enemies please. So many people are running from their enemies because they don't understand who they are. When you understand that your enemy is trying not to have to deal with you again, not so much that you're trying not to have to deal with it. You missed what I just said right there. Uh, so many believers are saying, oh God, I just don't want to have to deal with that. I don't want to have to deal with that. What you don't understand is your enemy is saying, I don't want to have to deal with you no more. Because every time I try to make you depressed, there you go getting up and serving God and going to church. Every time I try to stress you out with something, there you are worshiping and giving it. Every time I try to mess with your finances, you just started giving more. So your enemies are saying, I'm really sick of having to deal with you. I don't want to have to deal with you no more. Stop running from it. It hates you. But then this week, this week, this week, this week, uh, the, 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 the thing that you're not is you're not a bad tree. I, I need to get that. You are not a bad tree. You, 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 know what some, you know what some unlearned preacher said one time and Christians started repeating it. They said that we're just sinners saved by grace. That, that is the most stupid thing I've ever heard. Mr. What do you mean stupid? Aren't we all sinners? Mm-mm. No, sir. Read Barbaroni. No, no. I was a sinner. But when I came into Christ, I became a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold. Somebody say behold. Uh, all things were made new. When I'm born again, hear me, God does not try to cut the fruit off of my old tree. God chops down the old tree and plants a brand new tree. That's what it means to be born again. It's a fundamental identity problem that many believers have because what it suggests is that we are spiritual schizophrenics that are struggling between two natures. And at the end of the day, uh, your being a new tree, that was a spiritual change. Uh, but now your fruit, that deals with not just your spirit, but it deals with your soul, your mind, thoughts, will, and emotions. And it also then deals uh, with your flesh. Now check this out. Why would somebody well, come serve my Jesus so you can have two people inside of you fighting? 
No, that's not what he promises. He says, I'll kill the old guy, Adam, and there'll only be a new guy. No, you, 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 you didn't get what I said. God, God says, I am not trying to rehabilitate Adam. I murdered him. He's gone. You are a new creation. So watch this. Since you're not a bad tree, how you live must match your identity. I, I use this analogy all the time. Ladies, make some noise. Okay, for real this time. Ladies, make some noise. Okay. Now, now check this out, ladies. Now, check this out, ladies. You don't, hear me, you don't, you don't, you don't do things to become a lady. Right? Because you are a lady, you do certain things. You, you, you got what I'm saying? Uh, 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 fellas, make some noise. I see the Okay, I, I'll take that. I ain't even going, I ain't going to ask for, two, for seconds on that. I'll take that. I'll take that. Now, now watch this, fellas. Now, now watch this. There is a difference between being a male and a man, but we're not going to get into that today. What we are going to do is look at this, though. Uh, it, it is you don't do things to become a man because you're a man, you do certain things. You got it? Now, check this out. Many believers do certain things to become, not understanding that they already are. That's why they do. So the reason I treat people right is not so I can become godly. Because I am godly, I treat people right. Y'all ain't getting it. Y'all ain't getting it. Y'all ain't getting it. Y'all ain't getting it. Uh, The the reason that I don't uh, let my anger and my wrath take me places that I don't want to go is is not so I can become righteous. Because I am righteous, I don't let my anger take me anywhere. So it's a fundamental identity problem because if you don't understand, you will continue to do things trying to become not understanding because you are, you should do. Now look at this. I want you to look at this. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Because the question is, is well then Bishop, if I'm, if I'm a new tree, then why does it seem like I got bad fruit? I, I'm, 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 I'm fitting to tell you. Fitting to tell you. Now that's, that's, that's country for it. I'm about to explain our boggle to you in a pragmatic fashion. Ephesians 2 and 1, you got it? And you, who are we talking to? Us. He made what? Alive. Everybody sitting up talking about, I'm just, oh, child, it's time for me to live, time for me to live. When you gave your life to Jesus, at that moment, he said, I made you alive. So if you're waiting to live, that's because you need to, you, listen, dawn only comes once. You, you, you missed what I just said. Uh, dawn only comes once. And if you're looking for a second dawn, you're looking for something that ain't coming. The day you came to Jesus, he said, you were dead at that point. But when you came to me, the Lord says, I made you alive, which means you were not living until you found me. And after you find me, you ought to live every day. Are you hearing me? In trespasses and sin, trespasses, that's willful deviation and sins in which you once walked. Notice that is what? Past tense. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves. What is that again? Past tense. In the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the other. But look at verse 4. Somebody say, but God. I love God because every time he puts a but in there, it's, it's him doing something for our favor. So you ought to thank God for all the buts in the scripture. And you ought to thank God that it's a big old but too. Because this but here, if this but ain't in the scripture, then all of what we're doing is for naught. But because there's a big but right here, look at what it says. He is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us. Watch this. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Check this out. Check this out. He said, even when you were acting crazy, I still invited you to come sit with me in heavenly places. Now, I need you to get a good understanding of that because so many times we beat ourselves down. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Duh. You, the old you, is not. But since that person's dead, why are we talking about somebody that's already been eulogized? The me he's made me, the new creation, which is him living through me, me living through him vicariously, that is worthy. Because when he looks at me, he doesn't see my issues. He doesn't see my flaws. He doesn't see my mistakes. He looks at me and he sees his son. And he says, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. Now check this out. Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. 
look there, verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Lest anyone should boast. Now, works, uh, another word that can be interchanged for works is fruit. Now, look at verse 10. Here, here's the coup de grace. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works or for good fruit, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Check, check, check this out. I want to make sure we get this point. We don't do godly things to become godly. Because we are godly, we do godly things. Do you see the difference? It's subtle, but it is, it is, it is, it is paramount. We, 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 do not, we do not treat people right so we can be more like Christ. Because we're more like Christ, we treat people right. Got it? We don't abstain from cussing folk out so that we can become like Jesus. Because we're like Jesus, we abstain Are you hearing what I'm saying? So here's the question then. Here's the question. Well, Bishop, well, Bishop, but what about, it still seems like I got some bad fruit. Check this out. When confronted with an opportunity to bear bad fruit or to be the old you, you have to respond by saying, I'm not that man anymore. Why am I not that man anymore? He's dead. Now, did you get that? He's dead. Do you know it is illegal to dig up a dead body without a permit? Just say that. So, so then why continue committing crimes, digging up the old you, that God says, I didn't killed him? I know in, in Denver, we, we put the ED on it, but, but over on that other side of the Mississippi, it's not killed, it's killed. God says, I killed him. He's dead. He is no longer living. So why do you continue to go dig up somebody that is no longer significant? Why do you continue to dig up that? So when somebody from your past calls you to get into something from your past, you got to say to them, I'm not that man anymore. That, that doesn't exist in me anymore. Uh, when, when you're tempted to do something you know is outside of the word of God, you just respond, I'm not that man anymore. I'm not that woman anymore. When somebody calls you for a booty call, you just say, I'm not that person anymore. Y'all not don't say nothing to me. I'm not that person anymore. When you feel tempted to lie on your taxes, you erase it and say, wait a minute, I'm not that liar no more. I have been made a new creation. I'm not a bad tree. And because I'm not a bad tree, I live like a good tree. Anytime something comes up that tries to make me go to the one that's dead, I, I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that person anymore. And you know what? People are going to say this to you. Here's how you know when you're really reflecting your new treeness. Nutriness. It's in the Harvest Dictionary. It's in there. You want to know how you know? Here's how you know. You know because people will say to you, you just don't act the same no more. And rather than saying, oh, oh no, you need to say, thank you, Jesus. You just confirmed for me what I was trying to make sure of. I wasn't sure until I knew somebody didn't like it. But now that I know somebody don't like it, I know I'm on the right track. You want to know if you're on the right track, you got somebody that don't like the track you own. So now you know you're not alone. You are not running from any enemy, but your enemy's worst enemy. And third, that you are not a bad tree. Now, now in these core values, these core values, core values equal identity. Say identity. So now check this out. There's three things that you're not, but there's ten things that you are. There's always more to you than there is something lacking about you. And if you'd stop focusing on what lacks in you and start focusing on what abounds in you, you'd be, you, you'd be a lot further. Touch your neighbor and say, you'd be a lot further. Tell me, you'd be. If you stop focusing on, well, I don't have this, I don't have that, shut your mouth. Didn't nobody ask you nothing about that. Start focusing on what you do have. You're not hearing what I'm saying. You may not have, but this much hair. You better learn how to walk over to the hair jar and pick you up some and keep your receipt. That way it's always yours. 
You be like, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. You got to learn how to be thankful for what you have. Except, oh, I only got one pair of shoes. Well, get you some shoe cleaner and wash them shoestrings. Stop focusing on what's not there and focus on what's there. Strengthen the things that remain in your life rather than trying to chase the things that walked out of your life. If they can walk out, it wasn't supposed to stay there. No how. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You better learn how to get the gift of goodbye. I got the gift of goodbye. But I, oh, bye. But I just, bye. Get out of here. Gone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back. No more, no more, no more. No more. Mess around, I'll preach it to him. Hit the road, Jack. I don't hear nobody. <laughs> Say core values. I'm going to get to these expeditiously. I said I was going to say this to you every week. These core values are not just some arbitrary list of rules or religious rhetoric. rhetoric rather. Values determine culture and these guide us and are non-negotiable as we aggressively pursue our mission to lead people to totally love life as one church. Now, 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 remember... Since the church is not a building, the church is the people, these values aren't just the values of the church. These are the value of us, of we, of harvesters. These are our values. Now, I want to start out by uh, admitting that we made a mistake in communicating precisely on core value number three. We made a mistake. We made a mistake. That value read this. It was, we're all about the numbers. It said, Jesus told us to go into the world and make disciples. So we unapologetically set goals for how many decisions for Christ we see how many get involved, and how many harvesters are actively serving in the church. These numbers by themselves don't impress us as we desire to build spiritually people, mature people, but they are an indicator that our church is alive. Now, here's the deal. We do want to see more and more people making decisions for Christ, joining our campuses, uh, but people aren't only a number to us. I'm going to say that again. People are not only a number to us. So we've modified core value three to say this. We are all about people. People matter to God and they matter to us. Jesus told us to go into the world and make disciples. So we unapologetically celebrate the decisions for Christ we see, the harvesters that are actively serving in the dream team, and the lives that God changes through harvest. Now, now the reason I'm doing it this way uh, is because I want to teach some of you all that there's nothing wrong with saying, I didn't quite say that the way I needed to say that. Now, I'm trying to help some, some of us men folk because sometimes uh, we're scared of admitting wrong. And, of course, I don't expect a man to say amen or nothing right through there. But just shake your head and just, you know, we'll just, you know, we'll just glaze over it real quick. I'm trying to help you, especially husbands. I'm trying to help you. Sometimes all of that, no, 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 no. All of that is just she wants you to just apologize. You call it nagging. She calls requesting an apology. <laughs> Talking to the husbands now, you understand? So, so, so sometimes, just as, you know what, baby, I, you, you were right. I shouldn't have said that that way. Okay. You taking all of her ammunition. She ain't got nothing else to say. No, y'all ain't saying nothing, ladies, y'all. Come on here. I'm trying to, I'm trying. Ain't got nothing else to say. Because all of that, no, 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 was all about him apologizing. Now he apologized. Now what you going to say? But I, well, let's go eat. You know what? I should have said it that way. I'm modeling this so that you can see there's nothing wrong with apologizing and repenting. We didn't articulate that the way we wanted it to come across, so we modified it. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Believers, there's nothing wrong with doing that. There's nothing wrong if you mess up on your job rather than standing in your fiery indignation with your wrong self than saying, I, yeah, I was right. I did totally messed up on that. I take the responsibility for that. I love responsibility taking believers. Touch your neighbor and say, that's us. Tell them that's us. Now let's get into these. Value number seven. Value number seven. We're going to do the last four uh, today. And remember, these are not just our values as a church. These are our values as individuals. Seven, we are community transformers. We didn't say we're going to try to do it. We're going to pray about doing it. We're going to think about doing it. We're going to seek God about it. No, we are that. We understand that it's not about us, but about reaching people. You know, church is the only organization that was not created for the people in it. Think on that. Some of y'all are going to be snacking on that the whole way through. You just, 
We were created to transform the world, not just get transformed so we can sit up and have transformed people meetings. Got it? We don't accept the status quo in our region. You want to know something? In this region, there are 1,800 churches. You want to know how many people go to church less than 5%? Something wrong with that. The church is sitting up, oh, it's my year breakthrough. Well, why don't you go help somebody else get one? Okay, y'all don't want to say that. Okay, I'm going to leave it alone. I can see I'm losing you. Many people in our region are unchurched and de-churched, and we are committed to changing that. We aren't just about having church. We want to be the church in a tangible way. Got it? I love the book of Acts because in the book of Acts, you see the church. The church is a powerful institution. You see this group, this little group of, of no-nothing uh, little scraggly guys, these, these 12 scraggly guys, and one of them's the devil incarnate. Uh, these little 12 no-nothing, no-good-for-nothing 12 guys, these guys come together, and these 12 guys and 11, and then they add Matthias, transform the world. Listen, what do you mean they were no-good-for-nothing guys? Because they were found doing their father's trade, which meant that the uh, rabbis didn't want them. In the Hebrew culture, everybody desired to be in ministry. They wanted to be like uh, the rabbis, which was, was, would have been the, Jew, uh, the Jewish culture, the highest level of ecclesiastical leadership. And so in that, they wanted to be that. And so the fact that these men were found doing their father's trade, fishing, tax collecting, etc., tells us that uh, the religious system put them out. Which meant they weren't good enough to be the apprentice to one of the rabbis. But Jesus said, come on, I'm going to take your know-nothing, nobody's self, and I'm going to teach you some things. And it's only going to take me three and a half years to take you from being a nobody to being somebody that everybody will remember. I'm here to tell you the Holy Bible is the number one bestseller. And them 12 guys are some of the most well-known guys in the world. Why? Because when Jesus gets a hold of you, I don't care what you were before him. But baby, when he gets a hold of you, anybody know what I'm talking about? He'll take you and he'll pick you up and turn you around and he'll... Bible says that the Church of Acts, these powerful, powerful organization, powerful institution. Scripture says that no one lacked anything. Scripture says that they had favor with all people, even the people that hated them. See, you know that you're operating uh, at a whole nother level of lifestyle called the kingdom uh, when people that hate you write checks to you. Y'all not saying nothing. I know what I'm talking about. God says, I'll give you favor with people that can't stand you. I'll give you favor with Muslims. I'll give you favor with non-believers. I'll give you favor with the people that hate you. Because when the blessing's on you and it's flowing, it's going to happen. When you realize you've been blessed to be a blessing, God says, wherever I put you, you'll know that you're a transformer. If you work at McDonald's, you're sent there to transform it. If you work at Arby's, you're sent there to transform it. If you work for the government, you're sent there to transform it. God has called Harvest not to be a Transformers, but to be a transformer. Transformers. Nobody lacked anything. I love it because even in Acts chapter 8, it talks about Philip, who was one of the deacons who operated it as an evangelist. In Acts chapter 8, Philip goes and he preaches, and the scripture says that there's great joy in that city. One man who gets taught and imparted into by the apostles, he goes and transforms an entire city. I'm here to tell you, if you sit and waiting on me to do something, you need to understand I'm doing the part I'm supposed to do, which is equip you. Now, what you're supposed to do is take what you're given and go out there and transform the community. And I'm here to tell you, Harvest, we're doing it. I've been saying it the last few weeks, but I don't think it's set in. The government calls on us when they need help for meeting the needs of people that they cannot meet. That means we're transforming the community because the real measure of our effectiveness is not while we're here. But the real measure of our effectiveness as human beings is when we go, will it matter that we lived? When you're no longer living, will it even matter that you did? Or will people have to make up stuff at your eulogy? And the preacher have to repent for lying to the people to make them feel good because you wasn't about nothing. No, I'm here to tell you God sent you to harvest so that you can be about something. I'm not hearing nobody say nothing. Touch your neighbor say you got to be about something. Got to be about something. I know that's not good English. I understand. Don't send me an email about it. Eighth value. We don't believe there is a box. Now, people say this. You know what people say? Think outside the box. Here's my question. Who put the box there? What, what you mean, think outside the box? How about we just get rid of the box? 
That's how you got to live life. Stop letting people put you in their little labels and their little boxes and this kind of thing. No, I'm brand new. When he made me, baby, he broke the mold, which means you're going to see some stuff up out of me. You ain't seen him nowhere else. And my difference is what gives me my value, not what makes me the same as you. What makes you valuable is what's different between you and the person sitting next to you. We don't believe there's a box. We don't believe that. As a church, we don't believe there's a box. We don't believe that we can win our region using eight-track ministry living in an iPod world. <laughs> we, now, I'm still converting because I still call the CDs tapes. Pray for me. <laughs> we will be intentionally creative and innovative. Our limits are what the Bible gives us and no other. Some may disagree. But they can't argue with the fruit of changed lives. We will not, and hear me clearly, we will not cater to personal preferences in pursuit of our mission. Amen. Bishop, the music's too loud. Sit in the back. Amen. Bishop, I don't like all that praising and dancing, but then wait until it's over and then come. Bishop, I don't like all that touching my neighbor, then sit in the foyer. You can look at the chair next to you. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Too many churches fail. Watch this, in God's eyes, because they go to please the people rather than pleasing God. And what Satan will do is let a church seemingly flourish as long as they're pleasing the people and God is not pleased with it. Satan builds more churches than God if you want the truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We will be creative and innovative. Jesus was very creative, and he was the master innovator. For, for example, he wanted to teach Peter a lesson on faith. So you know what he does is he creates this whole scene on the lake, and then he tells Peter to walk on water. Who does that? No, I mean, seriously, can you imagine? He's trying to teach him on faith. And I'm sure that the, the apostles were thinking, well, why couldn't he just, like, get a chalkboard out, teach us on the boat? So Jesus creates this big scene. Jesus comes and he comes and he looks like a ghost. And then Peter yells out, Master, if it's you, bid me come. And he says, come. I mean, you got to imagine this is really, this is really, this is like, this is like thriller, blockbuster, weekend, top seller movie kind of stuff. It's like a horror film. He looks like a ghost. And he says, come on over here, boy. Peter gets out, starts walking on the water. Now, let's just be honest. Let's just be real honest. I don't care if, if you love swimming. I don't, I don't care if you love the ocean and dolphins and, and Keiko and, and Flipper and all the rest. Walking on water is a bit of a stretch. No, come on, let's just be real. I gave an example. You have to get the DVD from one of the other experiences. I gave an example uh, about that because me and water have a special relationship. I don't believe that I should be in it when my feet can't touch the... That's just me. No, I'm not, that's just me. Bible says, uh, uh, excuse me, not the Bible, song says he placed my feet on solid ground. So now if I can't feel the ground, I'm outside of the will of God for my life. <laughs> you understand? That's me. That's just me. Amen? You do whatever you got to do. I just need to feel the ground. That's innovation. That's creativity. Get this, to teach a lesson about faith and stewardship, he has little Tyrone bring his two-piece uh, uh, two uh, fist dinner lunch. Fish dinner lunch. He asked Tyrone bring a number two from Captain D's. <laughs> two fish and five loaves of bread. I wonder if he had the chocolate cake. Oh, no, no. Not the new ones, the old ones. Pre-98, because they changed. Okay, so anyway, and so to teach a lesson to his apostles, he creates a situation where thousands of people are hungry, and they got a number two from Captain D's. And then that ain't how they used to do where you get a big piece of white fish product. It's this new style Captain D's where you get like a half a filet of a filet fish. <laughs> and the disciples come to him and they say the people are hungry. You know what he does to teach the lesson? He says, you feed them. And they said, well, all we got is this little boy's lunch, two fish and, and, and some bread. Number two from Captain D's, he didn't get the drink. He drove off and they didn't give him the drink. And he was just so passive, he didn't go back around and say, y'all forgot my drink. And because you forgot my drink, I'm going to need that chocolate cake. Y'all know how everybody do that. So what you going to give me? You forgot my drink, you know. <laughs> 
That's creativity. That's innovation. Jesus was the master creator and innovator. We will not as a people get caught up. If we had this, we do this. If we had that, we do this. We're going to innovate with what we have. Your greatest innovation comes through your limitations. I was using this analogy uh, uh, some years ago uh, uh, when there was slavery uh, in our country. Uh, 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 you know, they would get the slaves would get the scraps of everything that came from master's house. Uh, and, and they learned through their limitations how to innovate. Uh, because the master said, well, just take these scraps of the pig. And, and, and the slave said, you ain't hurting us. We will create a whole new food item, the other white meat. Y'all not saying nothing. So they said, you think you're giving us scraps? We will clean them guts out, and we will create a whole new meal called chitlins. <laughs> oh, you think you're hurting us? We will chop them feet off and create a whole new meal called pig feet. Oh, you think you're hurting us, throwing us them beans? That's fine. We're going to call them black-eyed peas, and we're going to take them pig feet and put them in the black-eyed peas. Oh, you think you're hurting us telling us to go out there and eat them greens? That's all right. We got a brand new meal for you called greens. It was through the limitations imposed on them that they were innovative. Can I tell you something? There are areas where maybe you say, I wish I had this. I wish I had this. I wish I had more of this. And can I tell you, God just maybe set it up that way to where you don't so you can start paying attention to something you have that can substitute for what you don't. But if I had this, you don't. So get over it. What you need to do is innovate. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? I, I think there's some single parents in here that learn how to innovate. When they, when they didn't have them but peanut butter and tortillas, they thinking them don't go together. But wait a minute. We'll make peanut butter and tortillas. And call it a meal. I think I got some college students at Harvest that understand, listen, I, I ain't got, that's all right. I'm going to take me some noodles and I'm going to make a meal out of it. I'm going to make me some lasagna. I'm going to give me some Roman noodles and put some cheese on it and put some hot sauce. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. It is through your limitations that you discover your greatest innovation. Stop focusing on what you do have and look at what you don't have and say, now how can I innovate from this? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Number nine, number nine, we are known for what we are for. We are known for what we are for. We love all people. Say that again. We love how many people? And we will speak vision and life over our people and the people of our region. We will lift up the good news rather than using our platform to condemn anyone. Bishop, what does that mean? You're going to preach a feel-good gospel? Well, no, but I guess my question is, what does that mean? The gospel makes me feel good. The fact that he died and paid for my sins... And made me sit with him and I don't know what about that makes me feel bad. Some of you tried going to churches like that where every week you're told how bad y'all were. How'd that work out for you? Did you ever change? We have to preach how bad people are if we teach people who they are. If you teach them who they are, it automatically change what they do. And we're not a selective loving church where we love church people. Oh, but now them. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait a minute now. No, wait just a minute, Bishop, now. Wait a minute, church getting a little too worldly. Well, I'm just trying to figure out where is the world supposed to get right? They get right out there to come in here and sit next to you so they can fake being right with you? Y'all don't want to say nothing, so I might as well. I got 10 minutes left. I might as well preach it like a Baptist. Y'all not saying nothing. We love all people. But Bishop, they don't quite. And, and, and what? We love all people. Now, we're not, we're not going to back down from teaching the word. But the beauty of the word is the word will change anything it comes in contact with. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You, you wasn't always right. You just learned how to act it in front of me. Okay, so. Bishop, what you mean? Because if I see you out there driving and you were trying to cut me off all of a sudden. Oh, hey, Bishop, hey, Bishop. You outside lighting it up, then Bishop, I hate Bishop, hey, hate hey, Bishop, I'm trying to say this. Just got this. <laughs> I hadn't seen it all. Cussing and acting fool, Bishop, I hate Bishop, hey, Bishop, hey, hey. I was just telling them, you can't be doing all that. <laughs> Thank God for his mercy, right? Jesus was like that. He loved all people. That's why, that's why the religious Pharisees and Sadducees and scrubs, they had problems with it. The problems they had with him is because he was around people they said he shouldn't be around. He's around tax collectors. Jews hated tax collectors. They didn't like paying their taxes. 
in the time. I'm in 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 the in the time of the scripture. I'm talking now in the time of the scripture. Got it. He 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 was around wine bibbers. Got it. He, 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 he was around people that they said, well, why is Jesus around them? And he's supposed to be the Messiah. And I love in John chapter 8 what Jesus does. Because in John chapter 8, Jesus shuts them up real good. Because what they do is they go find a woman in the act of adultery, which is really nasty because that means they were watching her. Not just watching her walk in there. The Bible was explicit in saying they caught her in the act. Now, my question is, how do you catch one in the act unless you are observing the act? What's really going on? Y'all ain't saying nothing. And they snatch her out. They don't try to make the man accountable. Got it? They snatch her out. And they bring her. And they bring her to the Lord. And they say, teacher, uh, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. What they're really doing is telling it on themselves. Jesus, we're into porn. That's what they were doing. That's what they were saying to themselves. It's 11. I might as well take my jacket off and let my hair out. That's what they were saying. I mean, we was watching her. My question is, so when did y'all stop her? It's a nasty self. Y'all sat there and watched her. That's what they did. And they say, they say, Jesus, teacher, rabbi, is supposed to be Messiah. The law says this woman is supposed to be stoned for her sin. What say you? And I love Jesus. God, I love him. Lord knows I love me some Jesus. Because Jesus, rather than saying, well, you know, well, let, no, he didn't do that. Jesus, I, I ain't going to kneel down this time. Stay with me. Je- Jesus started writing on the ground. He didn't say nothing to him. He knelt down and he started writing. Now, just imagine you coming to ask somebody something. Tell me about this. You know, Tell us about this. <laughs> and, and Jesus says, And then he says one line, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. Keeps writing, keeps writing, keeps writing, keeps writing, keeps writing, keeps writing. By the time he's done writing and he gets up, he looks at the woman and said, where did all of your accusers go? I see nothing but stones on the ground. The question is, what was Jesus writing that scared them so bad that they left? I tell you what he was writing. He was saying, okay, Rabbi Jones, you want to talk about other folk? Last Thursday, you was at the Motel 6 with your cheap self with Sheila and them. And y'all wasn't having prayer meeting. Love Jesus. Oh, you want to talk about her? Okay, you rob from me every week using your tithe money to buy your new clothes. Love Jesus. Jesus was saying, before you point your bony, judgmental, hypocritical finger at anybody, you better shut your mouth and realize you got your own stuff. So before you're ready to judge somebody, but they ain't living right, wait a minute, wait a minute. You only been living half right for six months. Don't you be using that little bony finger of yours to judge nobody. You are not the moral conscience of the world. And it's tempting. It's tempting. It's tempting, isn't it? It's tempting to to want to be a judger. Because when you feel good about the stuff you're doing, you want to point out the stuff everybody else ain't doing. And at one point or another, we've all been that way. You can sit up here and look all how you want. I ain't studying you. Everybody, everybody has done that at one point or another. Well, they ain't doing right. But let's just start writing about you. Let's write about what you ain't doing right. Could you imagine if the Lord wrote your thoughts on the screen? Matter of fact, Jesus sent some stuff just to play it, tech arts, play it, play it. I'm joking. Some of y'all got real scared. Wait a minute. 
Gotta go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. Why you got your purse going to the bathroom? You don't need your purse going to the bathroom. As a church, we're not going to, I get asked all the time to do all kind of different things. Oh, Bishop, come do this anti-this rally and anti that. No, I ain't doing that. If I'm going to do anything, I'm going to do a love rally. Got it? If we're going to do anything, we're going to love people. Because at the end of the day, the church trying to judge everybody rather than love everybody has not been working. It's not been working so well. You got it? Because you talk to the average non-believer, what do they say about church folks? Church folks are so judgmental. And then you know what they'll call you? They'll call you what they are, but they're trying to get you. They'll call you a hypocrite. Church people are so hypocritical. Thank God for harvest. I said, thank God for harvest. I said, thank God for harvest. We're going to use our platform to build people up. If you want to get broke down and told how nasty and jacked up you are, I can't help you. Go down the street. There's plenty of churches that'll take you. But ain't nothing I can do for you if that's what you want to hear. All I got is good news. And the good news is no matter how far you fall, I'm here to tell you he'll pick you up out of that place. It's the goodness of God that brings men into repentance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So next time you're tempted to point at somebody and what they need to do, what you need to do is just hold all that back and just handle you. Look at your neighbor and say, do you. That's all you need to worry about. Just handle you. For you want to sit back and what well, they living in sin. Well, let them, wait a minute, Gertrude. Now let's count. Because while you're trying to judge somebody for living in sin, well, well, wait a minute. Now that may be true, but hold on now. But why, what, what gives you the right? Because let's count. Now you say you got pregnant when? Okay, well now wait a minute. I'm counting it. That don't add up. That's it. So, and y'all got married in March, right? And you delivered in May. Now I'm, not, I'm trying to figure out. Now how that's nine months? Bishop, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is, is you need to be known for what you're for. And what you need to be for is for loving people. And love doesn't mean you, you pacify people and you don't tell the truth. Absolutely not. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to sit around and pussyfoot and all that. I'm going to tell you the truth. But it's in that truth that it's going to inspire you to change and pull you up rather than pushing you down. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's how, that, that's how you change the world. That's what Jesus did. He sat with text collectors. And, and he sat there and he watched them spend the money, the government's money, on personal stuff. And he sat there. He told them the truth about themselves. But, but he wasn't so aloof that, that every time he was around, they felt hatred. Every time he was around, they felt love. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Got it, got it, got it. Last, last value, and I'm, I'm through. We are committed to making disciples and developing leaders. Committed to that. Jesus told us to make disciples. What's a disciple? Disciplined student. Got it? The word teaches us that God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. To counteract that destruction, we believe that we must not only inspire. Body of Christ for years has been hooked on inspiration. After that inspiration, you're going to have to do something. Carbs will only get you so far. At some point, you're going to need some protein. Carbs don't build muscle. Protein builds muscle. That's why you have Christians that have been saved for a while, but, but they've been fed a lot of carbs. So all, all they are is high-energy, weak folk. We believe we must not only inspire, that's important, but we must inform and educate believers from the womb to the tomb. Uh, I said it before in the Love God, Love People, Love Life series, we're committed to uh, education from when you have no teeth to when you have no more teeth. We are committed to making disciples and developing leaders to advance our mission. Paul, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, exhorts his spiritual son, Timothy. He says to him, commit these sayings that you've heard from me to faithful men that they can also teach others. And it's so important to understand that when we're talking about the development of, of, of harvest and all of that, it is so important that you understand God has chosen you to be a part of this movement for such a time as this. Mr. What does that mean? That, that God trusted you to be part of the pioneering stage. Which must mean there's something real special and unique about you. That he would connect you to me and we to each other for such a time as this. Got it? I, God doesn't need you there just sitting up, taking a seat, becoming a spiritual, obese person. 
I mean, spiritually obese. Well, you know a lot, but you don't do nothing with it. You ever met somebody like that? Where they so smart, they stupid? <laughs> if you sit next to that person, just keep looking straight ahead. So smart, they stupid. You're like, man, you could be so great. You're just an idiot. Just full of, you're just dumb. But they're smart, though. But they're so smart, they're an idiot. God doesn't want you to be that. God wants you to take what you're given here and use it. Leaders, leaders are developed, not often made. It's very difficult to take a non-leader and make them a leader, but it's, 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 it's the will of God that we, we take raw le- leadership ability and then develop that, hone it, strengthen it. Got it? And, and, and many times people think a leader requires a mic. It does not. Many times people think a leader requires a, a, great, a great ecclesiastical position. It does not. Being a leader simply means being an influencer. And God's called us to develop influencers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? To where no matter where you're at, you're an influencer. And you don't have to walk around and, and I'm the supervisor of the left section of the hospital. Hear me roar. But you're going to influence. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And God's called us to make disciples and to make influencers and develop, excuse me, to develop influencers. Got it? That's why you're here at this juncture in this stage of harvest. Because God wants you. He trusts you to be a part of this for such a time as this. Because there's going to be a day, not many days from now, where we're looking back saying, remember that building? Remember Gadon? Remember when we used to go between three levels to get to the different places in the church? There's going to be a day, not many days from now, to where you're going to see God be God through us. Everybody stand on your feet. Be dazzled this holiday season by Northern Virginia's largest drive through light show at Bull Run Festival of Lights. Celebrate the holidays as a family while staying warm and cozy. Drive the festival route from the comfort of your car. Turn off your headlights and just follow the magical glow through two and a half miles of dazzling displays in Bull Run Regional Park in Centerville, Virginia. Plan your visit now. When you visit by mid-December, you'll save. Get your tickets today at BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. That's BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. 